All right, hey, good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the first 19 verses of the last chapter in John's Gospel. This is what the disciple whom Jesus loved wrote down for us. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they had landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net to shore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is God's word. Well, again, good morning. And before we get too far along, I'd like to remind you to please Give us that text hello if you haven't done so already. It really, really helps out your church. And we'd also like to send out some discussion questions for later, which will be based on this message. So let's get into it. Today, we are concluding our worship series, The Comeback by Coming Back to Easter. It was very early on the first day of the week when the sun had risen and they went to the graveyard just outside the city walls of Jerusalem. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe and he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. 
to see the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you into Galilee. Galilee? Why Galilee? All the action took place in and around Jerusalem. The arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, the resurrection. Those are Jerusalem moments. Jerusalem, the big city, the holy city, the, the power center. All the action is in Jerusalem, which makes it strange that the angel points them to Galilee. Why come back to Galilee? If I were Jesus, hey man, I would have came back to Jerusalem because all the haters were in Jerusalem and I'd have some unfinished business to settle. My first stop would have been to Herod's palace. He wanted a miracle out of me. Okay, big boy, you got one. And then I'd turn him into a donkey. Next stop, I'd pop in on Pilate and I'd make him grovel, beg for mercy. I'd make him kiss my feet and then I'd wash my hands of him just like he did to me. And from there, I'd go to the temple and I'd make an announcement to everyone who was in earshot. I told you so, I told you so, I am the son of God, can you hear me now? Moving on, I'd stop in on Caiaphas and the other Pharisees and I'd make them carry a cross or something. But last but not least, oh, I'd pay a surprise visit to a Roman soldier or two or 10. I especially go after the guys who blindfolded me and then hit me. And I certainly pay back the one who thought it would be hilarious to put a crown of thorns on my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd go back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, get ready, because it's time for a payback. But none of this from Jesus. He is not thinking revenge, and he is not thinking Jerusalem. He has already appeared briefly before the disciples on that first Easter in a strange way. They are hiding out in a room and then Jesus is there. He materializes somehow. He shows them his wounds and then poof, he's gone. A week later, Jesus shows up again. Although the doors are locked, Jesus instantly stands before them, before Thomas, and he tells them to stop doubting and believe, and then he vanished. I wondered what the disciples were thinking. Is this how it's going to be from now on? Jesus will just kind of pop in and pop out of our lives? We know he's alive, but where is he? Has he moved on? Has he moved on from us? I wonder if they were thinking that maybe they should move on too. Maybe go back to the way life used to be, go back home, go back to the life they once knew, and what they knew was fishing. That's why Jesus' heart is set on Galilee. His friends are there, Peter is there, and Jesus does have some unfinished business to settle. He knows. Jesus knows how they must feel about themselves. Faithless deserters, wimpy deniers, major disappointments, and, and now their, fa- their failure is compounded. They've been fishing all night and have nothing to show for it. 
Then, just as day was breaking, a man appeared on the beach. They didn't know it was Jesus. And the stranger on the shore calls out, hey, how's fishing? They reply, lousy, we ain't caught nothing. The fishermen frequently use double negatives, we all know this. The guy on the beach calls back, try throwing your net on the right side of the boat. And for whatever reason, they actually do it. Immediately, the rope pulls tight, the net catches, it is full of fish. John tells us 153 large fish, to be precise. To quote the great Yogi Berra, this is deja vu all over again, because this has happened before. The long night, the empty net, the call to cast again on the other side, and the result, lots of fish flapping on the floor of the boat. Hold the phone, somebody whispers. This is exactly the same situation. In fact, it's the very same place where Jesus called us three years ago. Well, no need to explain to John. He got it right away. It is the Lord, and that's all Peter needs to know. He throws on his robe and cannonballs into the water about a hundred yards, and he sloshes himself to shore. The others quickly catch up. There's Jesus, and there's a fire. More specifically, a charcoal fire. And that's specific right there. That's not an accident. When John wrote that down, he wanted us to get that detail. John is super interesting this way. The word charcoal is only used twice in the New Testament. Here in this text and one other place. Can you guess where? You got it. When Peter warms himself in the courtyard of the high priest as he denies his Lord three times and the rooster crowed and Jesus looked straight at Peter. Well, that was then, and this is now. Put yourself in Peter's flip-flops. He had made a great brag. I'll die with you, Jesus. I'll die for you, Jesus. Even if all these other guys wimp out, I ain't gonna wimp out. And then he did. He wimped out big time. Oh, man. If you could only turn back the clock and do it all over again. But he can't. But Jesus can. That's why he came back to Galilee. The miraculous catch of fish, the charcoal fire. It's deja vu all over again. It's intentional and it's important and it's awkward. It's going to be an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, but first, breakfast. It's time to eat. And, and we do that, don't we? Difficult, honest talk often takes place over a meal or at least a cup of coffee. And I suppose we do that to try to make it seem normal somehow. It's hard. And so... We need something to do. 
And so we eat, we drink, and then eventually we get to the heart of the matter. John tells us that when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Oh, Simon, son of John? That's formal. Jesus didn't use the familiar nickname, Peter, the rock. He didn't even call him Simon. Rather, it's Simon, son of John. This is serious. Peter must have wondered at that moment if his old close friendship with Jesus had been lost. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? These? These what? These fish? These nets? This boat? This business? Material wealth? These friends? These disciples? Yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Yeah, Lord, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep. A third time, Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Well, let's pause here because I think this is one of the most beautiful scenes in all of Scripture. It almost makes me want to cry if I think about it. Imagine it. God is asking for love. What's going on here? No deity of any world religion has ever made himself so small as to inquire how we might feel about that God. It's a heart-stopping question that our God is asking. The pagan gods don't do that. No, they, they throw thunderbolts to remind everybody just who's in charge. But Jesus asks if we care about him, if we love him. The Jesus who died a humiliating, brutal, bloody, God-forsaken death on the cross so that we might live is asking us, us, if we love him. Almost makes you want to cry. And I know the text doesn't tell us, but I can picture it. Simon, son of John. At this point with tears in his eyes, saying, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. It's the only thing I do know. I don't know how to be strong when the going gets tough. I don't know how to be a leader. I don't know how to be a disciple. I don't even know how to fish anymore. But I know that I love you. I love you once. I love you twice. Oh, you know that I love you. <laughs> 
three times. Jesus is giving Peter the great do-over. He's giving him the comeback. Those three questions Jesus asked were a gift to Peter so that he could express his love three times to replace each one of his earlier denials. And this time, Peter got it right. Feed my sheep. And then they speak some more about Peter's future and how he's going to suffer and how God will use Peter's sufferings just as God had used Jesus' sufferings. And then Jesus said, follow me. It is a wonderful deja vu all over again. Ah, oh, I love, love this story because it's our story too that Jesus chooses and he uses failures. What Jesus is demonstrating all throughout John chapter 21 is I love you and I forgive you. I still want you. I want you to be my friend, my disciple, my witness, follow me. And Peter got that message loud and clear. And that's why Jesus recreated the miraculous catch of fish again for Peter. I don't want you to fish for fish anymore. Fish for people. That's why Galilee, that's why the three questions and the three answers, Jesus is healing Peter of his self-hatred and he is setting up Peter's future. Jesus didn't come for revenge. No, he didn't come back for that. He came back for restoration. Peter's restoration from guilt to grace. That's why the comeback in Galilee that's why the directives, feed my sheep, build my church, Peter. Give them what I'm giving you, love and grace and forgiveness. Feed them that, Peter. That's why the comeback in Galilee. In Galilee, Peter sees and especially hears exactly what he needed and what he ultimately wanted to hear. What is it that you want to hear? Author Mark Rutland recalls a survey in which Americans were asked what words they would most like to hear. And he predicted the first choice, which is, I love you. Uh, number two was, I forgive you. But the third choice took it by surprise. It's time to eat. And it dawned on Rutland that these three statements provide a nice summary of the gospel story. We are loved by God, we are forgiven by God, and invited to the banquet table. It's what we want to hear. It's what Peter heard in Galilee. It's time to eat. <laughs> I forgive you. I love you. It's the gospel. That's what we love to hear, and that's what the world needs to hear. I love you, I forgive you, it's time to eat. Philip Yancey writes, in the midst of a planet marked by brokenness, violence, natural disasters, ruptured relationships, and I'll add COVID-19, why not? The gospel is truly good 
news. Like an iPod listener dancing in a subway station full of glum commuters, a Christian hears a different sound of joy and laughter on the other side of failure and pain. The question is, do we dance? Do we believe it? Do we demonstrate this good news with our lives? Are we any different from anybody else? Does the church have anything more important than to provide time and space for the most critical question of all? Do you love me? Do you love me? It all comes back to that. Do you love me? It's deja vu all over again. We thought on Good Friday that he'd never want us back. You look at the cross and the, the blood and the betrayal and you know that it was our sin who put him there. And so isn't it good news for us that Jesus comes back to Galilee, that he comes back to Peter, that he comes back to us? And that's why this conversation between Jesus and Peter is so critical and so beautiful, because it's our conversation. What Peter says to Jesus is so very close to what I bet you and I would have said if we had been in Galilee ourselves. And what Jesus says to Peter is so close to what he says to all of us. Do you love me? Do you truly love me? Even though you've never seen me? even when you're not sure where Jesus is all the time, even when you fail. That's why Galilee, that's why breakfast on the beach is so important for us. Jesus is the restorer for failures who want to come back. Jesus' forgiveness still stands from guilt to grace. I think it was Bob Goff who put Jesus' words this way, which is don't spend a lot of time. Don't spend a lot of time and energy remembering your failures because I have spent a lot of love so that they would be forgotten and forgiven. Jesus' restoration of Peter is what it looks like for us. Jesus said, follow me. The failure of the past is meant to be left behind because there's important work to do. Fishing for people and feeding them in all kinds of ways. There's kingdom work to do. And Peter got the message that his failures were not going to define him and now, when he looked at a charcoal fire, he didn't think about his denials. He remembered his Savior. 
Our failures are not to define us either. Yes, our, our sin is so painful at times. It, it does make us want to cry. It's awkward. And it is humbling and it's disappointing to say the least. And, and Jesus paid for them all. Sin and failure are inevitable, but the empty tomb means forgiveness is guaranteed. Here we are, church, whether in person or you're watching from home, regardless, we are together. For if anything, we are all in the same boat. We are the fellowship of forgiven failures. That is true. But all the more, we are followers of a risen Savior who calls us his friends, who loves us, and who has put us to his kingdom work, fish for people, feed them in all kinds of ways. This gospel is truly good news, and it's intended to share. This morning, you have heard it, and for those in this space, you will receive it. Deja vu all over again. Jesus comes to us. And in just a moment, we will offer our prayers, and then it will be time to eat and drink. He has prepared a meal for his friends. And this do-over is very intentional. It will be our time, and the first time in a while, to come back and commune with Jesus and in our own hearts to repent of our sin, but all the more to tell Jesus that, yes, truly, Lord, I love you, and he will love us and forgive us. It is time to eat. Amen.